everybody and welcome back to Corset and Crown. I am Duchess Katie and with me as always is my co-host Lady Sadie. Hi Hello, everyone. So today we are going to be talking about Portrait of a Scotsman by E.B. Dunmore and that actually as of recording has just released today. So Sadie why don't you give us the synopsis. Um, all right, here we go. Going toe to toe with a brooding Scotsman is a rather bold for a respectable suffragist. But when he happens to be one's unexpected husband, what else is an unwilling bride to do? London banking heiress Hattie Greenfield just wanted just three things in life, a claim as an artist, a noble cause, and marriage to a young lord who puts the gentle in gentlemen. <laughs> Why then does Oxford scholar find herself at the altar of a darkly attractive financier, Lucian Blackstone, whose murky past and ruthless business practices strike fear in the heart of Britain's peerage? Trust Hattie to take an invigorating little adventures too far. Now she's struck with a churlish Scot who just might be the end of her ambitions. When the daughter of his business rival all but falls into his lap, Lucian sees opportunity. As a self-made man, he has vast wealth but holds little power, and Hattie might be the key to finally setting long-harbored political plans in motion. Driven by an old revenge, he has no room for his new wife's apprehensions or romantic notions, and bewitching her, uh, bewitching as he finds her. I'm good at this. <laughs> But a sudden journey to Scotland paints everything in a different light. Hattie slowly sees the real Lucian and realizes she could win everything as long as she's prepared to lose her heart. Dun, da, da, da. All right. So this is a third book in a series. Mm -hmm. um, it is the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, a League of Extraordinary <laughs> Women. Sorry, guys, my nerd was showing there. Um, and they all are interconnected about the suffragists. I have read books one and now three. Somehow I missed book two, um, but I can sort of talk about that later. Katie, what were your initial thoughts? So this is actually the first book by this author that I've ever read. Um, and I had seen, um, especially it's bringing down the Duke, right? It's her first, is the first one in, in the series. I'd seen a lot of people talking about that book. Um, and I just, personally hadn't gotten around to it yet um so I'm totally brand new to this author um I I can tell um that Evie is a strong writer and with a really great voice um I just really kind of struggled connecting with the heroine and with her love story with uh Blackstone I just for me it didn't jump off the page the way I had kind of hoped it would, because <clears throat> as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I'm fairly new to reading Scots. So I was excited to read this one because I I've been I've been into it lately. Um but for me it just kind of it was more, I guess, more of historical fiction um than it was a romance. Uh because it just for me it was all about it it was all about um her her ambitions for being an artist and her suffragist group at Oxford um you know so it just kind of took a while even for the for the romance to begin what what there was of it so yeah <laughs> what about you what were okay. your thoughts so Madame? I had many thoughts I had many thoughts about this first I'm going to start with uh 
sort of the tropes that I thought I would see and the tropes that I did see. I thought this was going to be a strictly interclass romance. I thought this was going to be an opposites attract marriage of mm-hmm. convenience sort of a romance. And yeah. while those are all there, there was a lot of enemies to lovers feeling in this mm-hmm. book, which yeah. is not a trope that always lands for me. I'm well aware of sure. it. I don't go out seeking that trope. Um, and so when it snuck up on me, that didn't set a tone that I I thought I would love. It didn't ruin the book for me in any way though. Right. Um, there were There was a lot of things I loved in this book. A lot of things. I loved the white savior, rich savior complex discussion. I loved the discussion of the wage gap and male fragility. There was tons of research. Yeah. Edie Demore is a brilliant author and a brilliant researcher. So there was lots of research. Uh, there was a lot of discussions of the working class hero. There was a lot of discussion of unionization, a la Hellion's Waltz, which we talked about back in June. Yeah. So yes. I loved seeing that. Um, I There was a lot of sex positive content, a lot of consent content. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also a lot of talk of the issues within any feminist movement, which is interclass, interracial, and when you have a certain level of power, you also have a certain level of oppression. And if you're poor, you still have a different level of oppression. And so I really loved all of those aspects. Mm-hmm. I think that part was all amazing. Unfortunately, it slowed the book down so yeah. much that until about 60% in, it didn't feel like a romance. It read as a historic fiction book Mm -hmm. which I read plenty of I love that sure um but it wasn't necessarily what I expected yeah Um, I really struggled with the heroine um in previous in the very first book she's a side character and she's this sort of sweet empathetic kind soul and in this one she came off sort of as a spoiled brat for like the first 50 percent yeah and I just wanted to kind of shake her and be like you made choices, but he's not hurting you. He's not being a bully. He just doesn't know you. Yeah. And he would like try to give her what she wants and then she'd be mad about it. And I'm like, you can't, you're annoying me right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, and, you, and you know, I like, this is something to, he's, uh, Blackstone is a self-made hero. And I feel like I've been reading a lot of those lately like pulled themselves up, worked themselves up from the gutter and made their fortunes, whether you learn all the details of it or not. um, I think that we see that with so many heroes that we end up completely endearing to. Reese Winterborn, for example, or um, Frank Simon. Um, uh, um, Yeah, Frank Tripp. um, Simon from Simon. Uh-huh. Uh, Caleb Calhoun um, from Bombshell. Like there's Caleb plenty Calhoun, of them out yeah. there. And we end up loving the crap out of them because there's there's a certain grit and tenacity to them. And oftentimes because of the way that they were brought up or not brought up, just had to survive, um, they're way more in tune with other people and helping and their needs and things like that even though they they are just making trying to get by and make sure that they don't lose everything that they've built so it's not like they're perfect because they're kind of always watching over their shoulder for the for the next shoe to drop you know what I mean and I feel like 
the silver spoon life, does it really allow for people outside um, the same kind of upbringing to appreciate that in any way? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just kind of feel like, and not only is, um, is she from a wealthy family, but a family with bank history, you know, like with literal money history. So <laughs> I think and she she's wants kind to, of like, she's totally happy to climb the ladder and marry a Lord uh-huh. and she's going to Oxford and she's had a very privileged life. Um, and it just seems like it wasn't enough. And that was, that was yeah. hard for me. Um, and that's yeah. my own politics getting in the way too. Um, this has an overt liberal tone to it. You can tell when she was writing this, a lot was going mm-hmm. down in the world. And I appreciate that it kind of blended yes. to her writing. Um, I also, this might be the only self-made hero I've ever seen who sort of became a vigilante. Yeah. Like he's got some Robin Hood, Hades energy about him. He mm-hmm. unionizes his mills. He, um, he tries to give a mind back to the people. Like there's, he, instead of taking the power and money, and becoming the thing he hated, he deliberately sets it on his head. And yeah. I, I enjoy watching that. Um, I also really love that Hattie is dysgraphic. She's essentially dyslexic. They call it word blindness, um, which was a term for a long time. Um, and I really liked that as a special ed teacher. I love to see that learning disability <laughs> reference. And mm-hmm. so um, I really did like that part. Um, I wanted to see more of her enjoying her own brilliance. Yeah. And like, he kept being like, you're not dumb. You're, you're very bright. Yeah. And you're obviously that bright. right away. Yeah. And so I, I do wish that she had sort of, I'd sort of seen that growth in her character. Um, okay. But here's the thing that really made me lose my mind with the book and made it really not a romance for me. 80% of the way through things are, they had the third act breakup. They got back together. Things are going fine. Spoiler alert. She divorces him and moves to the south of France. And I'm just like, what? Yeah, what? You, everything was resolved. It didn't feel like it had been wrapped up weirdly. I felt very comfortable with where things were headed. It could have very much had them right off into the sunset and she divorces him. He agrees to it, lets her go. And then the epilogue is eight months later. And he finally finds her after she wouldn't tell him where she was. And I was just like, I don't, I don't get it. And so then it was wrapped up in an epilogue. And this is why I think a lot of people have problems with epilogues sometimes because it's like that's such a fast way to put a pretty bow on something you know I I was like this is why people make fun of HEAs because it was like too fast yeah Yeah. and it almost felt like it had gone on too long and then she had to stop or that she had set herself up to carry this on later and couldn't it really it was very strange energy at the end Mm -hmm. um and it felt disruptive as a reader and left me being like mm, sort of yeah sitting in a corner staring at my kindle wondering what I just read um <laughs> and that isn't how anyone wants to leave a book right you know I'm not saying that everyone will feel this way I'm this might be a me thing this also might be a better standalone for people if you haven't read the other books in the series and you haven't seen Hattie I don't 
I, it could just be me, but you know, yeah, we, we try I mean, to I be think, honest here at Corset and Crown. Yeah. We do spend and, a lot of time gushing. <laughs> and I do think like, like I said before, I can tell that Evie is a very smart writer, a very well-researched writer. And, you know, I just, I'm, I'm not even sure that necessarily, I, th- I think it just kind of depends on your expectations going in because I mean, knowing how many people were gushing about the first two books, um, you kind of expect or hope that it's going to, the pace is going to stay the same and that people are going to, you know, um, rave about this one in the same way. Um, and they, and they might like, again, this could be a me thing as well. Um, and that all that to say, I'm definitely going to go back and read bringing down the Duke. Um, I'd love love to see, uh, what, what these other previous characters are like that are mentioned in this book because she does mention all of her her friends Hattie yeah. does um there is some the real book. found fit like there is a female yeah. friendship storyline that continues mm-hmm. in this one yeah and I love that like that's a big that's a big deal um I feel like now with historical romance that's a that's a big thing that a lot of people are doing and I love that so you don't have to love every single book in a series even though yeah you know, it's been great up, you know, up until, you know, the next book comes out or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just think maybe in this, and this actually had some tropes that I really love. Like I do love a marriage of convenience and a forced proximity situation. Interclass romance and opposites attract, like there, Mm -hmm. there's a lot. And even if you just read it for more of the historical stuff, like there's a lot to love in this book. There's discussion of the Highland clearances. There's a lot of discussion of mining in the, like it's the 1880s. The entire world runs on coal and the people who dig for coal barely live. Like, so there's a lot of things that happen in this book that are so brilliant (laughs) and so well-written, but it definitely sometimes got in the way of their romance, which happens in books. It happens. Yeah. Yeah, it does. But I do, I do still think the writing was beautiful. Yes. And I think this would be a good, and I can't, like I said, speak to the other books in the series, but I think um, this is a good, uh, I don't know if it, intro to historical romance would be a good option because we, like we just said, it the romance takes a backseat, yeah. but maybe if you're not even totally comfortable with reading a full-blown romance, yeah, this, this could be a good start for you because whether it makes you uncomfortable or you don't know what to expect or, you know, whatever the case may be, if you're, if you're looking to kind of start tiptoeing into historical romance, as long as you go in, not expecting like jumping off the page, you know, spiciness, heat, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but more or less like the background of the characters and, um, the development of relationships with other people, you know, that kind of thing. I think this would be a good, like a good book to kind of wet your whistle on maybe. <laughs> yeah. Or, and if you're looking for something that is really well-researched, Evie Dunmore yeah. is an amazing yeah. researcher, like just really excellent. Um, I would also say that if you have um, enjoyed things like, again, The Magic by Lisa Klepaz, this has some similar energy to that. This has some... Uh, similar energy to let it shine by Aly- Alyssa Cole mm-hmm. um those 
this might be something that you would enjoy. Yeah. And I think too, yeah, like the, even the, the way that she describes Hattie's, um, like passion or struggling to find her passion with her painting and things like that. Like, I think if you're an artist too, you're like, dang, I can relate to that. You know, like, yeah, I, I just, it's, it's very clear that Evie is very, very intelligent and she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. But you know, it's also, it's a long book. It's long. Yeah. Like, it's long. I I'm a fan. I'm a fan of a longer <laughs> story. I do. Sure. I love, give me, give me all the pages, but it's a trade paperback that comes in at almost 500 pages. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a hefty book. That's a hefty book. So just keep that in mind. Um, but still excellent reading. Yeah. I would say trigger warnings, content warnings, Discussions of parental death, discussions of death of a sibling, um, low-key bloodshed, some references to maybe rape. It's never clarified, and that's fine, um, yeah. but off the page. And mentions of food insecurity and homelessness for a child. Mm-hmm. But on the page, very little Um violence or anything upsetting yeah yeah and I will say some very good consent yeah really excellent consent I loved that um there is also a really funny scene when she talks about wanting to be ravished by a pirate or a viking (laughs) or a scotsman and she's married to a scotsman he's like we can make that yes (laughs) I got you I got you I do own a kilt she asks about it (laughs) so like there's some fun parts too um but yeah what are you reading these days? That's just Katie. Oh gosh. Well, since I just finished this book and I had finished Lenora Bell's, which is coming out very soon. Um, cause I got to read that arc. I'm actually going to, um, start reading in order the rest of the Eloisa James wilds of Linlow castle series. You I've mean only like read two of them. This so. one? I haven't read that one yet, but I read the one I think before that. Say yes to the Duke and say no to the Duke. Is that what it is? I've, yeah, yes. there's two of them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I haven't read any of this series, but I've randomly picked up this one. <laughs> yes, this is the first one. So it starts at the it's, beginning. It's called Wild and Love. Well, whatever, Sadie. You don't ever follow the rules. I never do. And I, I don't never... either now. You're rubbing off on me. So yes, Eloise Come to the dark side. We have cookies. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am reading some Lenora Bell backlist for you though, because you got me started on that and now I've got to do that. And yeah. I'm interspersing it with some suspenseful September reads. I've got to, I've got to sprinkle in some contemporary in there too. Spoiler yeah. alert y'all on corset and crown. I do have to gonna, cleanse every now and then. We're going to get her <laughs> on the suspense train soon. We're going to get her there. Yeah, we'll see. Well, great. October is right around the corner. So I could go for some paranormal probably here. So if you guys have any good recs for me, let me know. Okay. Um, and okay. there might be a poll coming about what we <clears throat> should read for October because it takes us way too long to decide on what we're actually going to read for things. <laughs> so we're going to take yeah. some input. Yes. We want to uh, know what you guys want to hear us <laughs> gab about, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> also, we're indecisive as heck. So oh, that's yeah. a good time. Mm-hmm. Whoops. <laughs> Well, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> also look for our drawing room episodes. We have a, 
I think by the time this episode drops, there will be one out and there will be another one in October with some also yes. cool authors. So keep an yes. eye out for that. Um, yes. But until next time, ladies and humans and they, thems and aubergines. <laughs> I love it. I just start calling people foods. It works. It works. A little, a little tangerines. Tater tots. <laughs> yes, tater tots. Bye, Until everyone. next time. Bye. Bye.